Good. Well, hey, how about this worship team? Y'all give a round of applause, huh? Yeah. So proud of our, uh, our worship team rallying around, even seeing our teenagers get up. And, they're, and they're, they're not just being thrown to the wolves. I mean, they're equipping them, training them, teaching them. I mean, we're not just doing American Idol here. We're, we're trying to teach what it means to, to lead people in, in worship. It's, it's from our hearts. It's an overflow of what's going on in our hearts. And I'm just so proud of what Jesus is doing uh, in, our, in our worship team and our church family. And I don't want to brag, uh, but we got running water today. So, you know, I don't know how many churches can make that claim in our city, but we can today. And uh, we're super excited to have some running water. Great to see some fresh faces here uh, today with you. My name is Michael, one of the pastors here. Uh, it's good to see people uh, online, Facebook, YouTube, however you're connecting with our church family. I think there's a few people sitting outside, and uh, man, just seeing the body of Christ rally together to be the body of Christ, man, such a beautiful, just a beautiful picture, uh, deeply encouraged. We're going to be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 uh, today, but before we get into God's words, like every, every week there's an update, but uh, there's an update just for my personal life. Uh, just to express some appreciation, last Sunday, uh, just about right after our worship service, uh, about 10.55, got a phone call from uh, the doctor that my mother has uh, passed away. And uh, they had told me that it was uh, coming. Uh, they called me maybe Wednesday, and they said, hey, look, it's imminent. Uh, there's just a couple of days uh, left. I got to see her face-to-face. -face. I hadn't seen her in 12 months, and so that was, that was a big deal um, but she held on to Sunday till 1055, and I like to think she stuck around for one more worship service just to be a part of. <laughs> Some of you might not know, but my mom came to live with our family five years ago. Uh, she was diagnosed with Alzheimer's and schizophrenia, and uh, many of you got to know her. She got to be a part of our, our church for a little while till uh, we moved her into a nursing home. And uh, I can't imagine how we would have made it these last five years without the support of our, our church family. Every one of you, uh, in small ways, in large ways, uh, were an expression of God's love and care for me and, and my family, and so deeply uh, thankful for you. Uh, we, we do want to uh, invite everybody to uh, Balcones District Park this Saturday, uh, March 13th, 10 a.m. Uh, it's an unusual uh, time to celebrate somebody's life uh, in COVID, uh, so it's not going to be a formal uh, memorial. Uh, it'll just be come and go, but we'd love for uh, see you to come out and just express our appreciation. That's this Saturday. Uh, this morning, we're going to be in God's Word, and God's Word's going to meet us right where we are in 2021, and it's going to press in on our perspective towards life, that Jesus transforms our perspective towards life, and that includes the subject of sex and work. Uh, so uh, how exciting uh, to get to be here in person and talk about sex with your church family. I know my children are super excited. I uh, told them there'll be lots of illustrations uh, that we'll, uh, we'll present, but it should be PG uh, if you're concerned, uh, maybe even G. Uh, it should, should, shouldn't uh, be too uh, chaotic, but we are going to talk about sex. God's Word talks about sex. Um, sometimes parents, we think we could kind of keep our children so uh, protected from our, our culture. The reality is, is that our culture is communicating to us nonstop, all the time. Uh, advertisements, you know, social media, movies, literature, music, politics, education. I mean, we're constantly getting a message 
from, from the world, and, and we're not going to be able to avoid that. And so we want to see how God's word changes our perspective towards the world. It gives us a completely different approach, and, and we're going to see uh, three subpoints in our passage today. The call for a holy life, sex, and work. Pretty simple. Let's look at uh, verses 1 and 2 for uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I'll read, you follow along. It says, Finally, brothers and sisters, we request and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you received instruction from us to how you ought to walk and please God, just as you actually do walk, that you excel even more, for you know what instructions we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. First, I don't know why the Apostle Paul starts off verse 1 and says, finally. I mean, we're like halfway through the letter. It's not even close to being over, and Paul's throwing out words like, finally. Uh, Second, have you noticed the repetition of brothers and sisters throughout 1 Thessalonians? I mean, so many times the Apostle Paul is presented as this kind of authoritarian, rough and tumble, I go alone, I don't need anyone. You know, that just, that's not what we see at all. In 1 Thessalonians, we see a pattern of human, relational, personal part of Paul. And it's because our relationship with God is not individual, right? It's a communal, it's corporate, it's plural, right? Our relationships with one another matter to God. And then third, look at Paul's charge in the life of the Thessalonians is on their daily walk with God. You see that? That highlighted how you ought to walk and please God. That word walk is used because walk, it's our, it's our normal, everyday habits, patterns of life. And what God's word is teaching us is that he cares about the normal, everyday habit patterns of our lives, right? That he cares about the mundane part of our lives. He cares about not just Sunday morning at 10 a.m. He cares about seven days a week. He cares about our character, our honesty, our kindness towards others. He cares about our thoughts. He cares about our purity. He cares about our confession and repentance. He cares about how we treat other people. He cares about the private parts of our life, the things we do online, the things that we think nobody notices. He cares about our humility. He cares about everything. The practical, everyday parts of our life matter to God. He, care, he wants us to have holy lives. Sometimes Jesus is presented as somebody who's just loving and caring and compassionate, and he is. Jesus is loving, caring, and compassionate, but he also cares about our lives, that our lives would be holy. Now, what I have found is that we typically respond to this call for holy lives in one of two extremes. Just the everyday part of our lives, we tend to either drift towards being determined to live a holy life, a godly life, or we feel defeated about living a holy life and a godly life. We're determined. Sometimes we get this, I'm going to try harder. I'm going to be courageous. If you had those moments, you get a little pep in your step. You're like, this time, it's for real, right? I'm going to do it, right? I'm going 
I'm going to change my sleeping patterns. I'm going to, I'm going to change my diet. I'm going to change what I do in, in the late hours of the evening. I'm going to move things around. I'm going to be less angry. I'm going to be more humble. I'm going to create a list. And it's all about an attitude. It's like white knuckle, make it happen kind of attitude. You ever had those? You're determined to do it. Listen, this isn't just in God's word. You see this in every facet of life. Every world religion today, like there's a determined, like diet rules, systems, not even just in religious things, like even in our, in our culture, like I'm going to make good grades, I'm going to get a job, I'm going to climb the ladder, I'm going to lose weight, I'm going to get a six-pack abs. Like it's this mentality, like I'm determined to make it happen. And then the other extreme is that we feel defeated. We typically try uh, uh, to be determined, we're excited, and then we hit a roadblock, right? We have hiccups, we have setbacks, we have blizzards, we have pandemics, we have challenges, and then we hit that defeated mentality. Have y'all noticed that pattern? Like, I'm determined, I'm defeated. We justify, we water down, we become bitter, maybe we quit, we give up, our hardened hearts, we begin to withdraw, right? We withdraw from this idea of God, a holy life, meeting that standard. And it's likely over these last 12 months, we've, we've oscillated between both of these. You probably have seen this in yourself over the last 12 months. You know, you start off on Monday, you're like, I'm determined. And by lunchtime, you're like, who cares? You know, just like, you just back and forth. We hit challenges. And when you see this pattern over and over, you start to feel ex- exhausted, Right? You, you start to just feel defeated. And what we need to remember that the Apostle Paul, he didn't start off 1 Thessalonians with chapter 4. Right? He didn't start off talking about how you ought to please God, chapter 1, verse 1, did he? He didn't start off talking about the daily habit patterns of our lives. He started off talking about the gospel. He started talking about grace and peace in Christ Jesus our Lord. I mean, we need to remember that God's word is calling us to holy lives. We have to start with the gospel, that Jesus has come to give us his holiness. That's the gospel. We're not going to be able to earn his holiness, that Jesus has come to give us his holiness by grace, through faith. He says, you're holy. He says, you're good enough. He says, you're accomplished. He says, you're beautiful. And he says it for eternity. That's the gift of the gospel. We can't lose sight of that. And I've noticed for myself throughout this season, like on a daily basis, I'm oscillating from that determined and defeated as I'm taking time, remember the gospel. Remember the gospel that Jesus has forgiven me, that Jesus has given me his holiness, that Jesus loves me, that I'm not trying to attain this holiness on my own. It's already been given so that the apostle Paul is saying to us in chapter 4 verses 1 and 2 he says now walk in it do you see that difference like this isn't something we're trying to earn he's just like look this is something that's been given to you as a gift now walk in it walk it out north side walk it out east side walk it out y'all don't 2007 okay You see this in Scripture, Matthew chapter 14. Jesus is walking on water. He sees Peter in the distance. And what does he say to Peter? He says, come, come to me, Peter. Peter steps out of the boat. Now, he's walking by faith. He steps out of the boat. He's walking on water. But then what happens? The wind comes, right? The the feeling of, of being defeated 
comes, the feeling of feeling determined comes, he starts to sink and he cries out to Jesus. He says, save me. And that's exactly what it means to live out holy lives, that every day we're reminding ourselves of the gospel, that we're calling out to the Lord, save me every day to remember all that we've been given in Christ Jesus. So that's our first sub-point, holy lives. There is a clear call to live a holy life. And the Apostle Paul, he then zeroes in on sex. This is what my son was most excited about today. Yeah? No? Let's look at verses 3 to 8. The Apostle Paul. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that is, that you abstain sexual immorality, that each of you know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in lustful passion like the Gentiles who do not know God, and that no one violate the rights and take advantage of his brother or sister in that matter, because the Lord is the avenger in all these things. Just as we also told you previously and solemnly warned you, for God has not called us for impurity, but in sanctification. Therefore, the one who rejects this is not rejecting man, but the God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. In verse 3, we see the word sanctification. It's a word that means to be set apart unto the Lord. So this is how it reads. It says, for this is the will of God. This is the will of God that you who are in Christ, this is the will of God that you who are followers of Jesus, that you are to be set apart unto the Lord. And it's because Jesus cares about how we walk through the ordinary parts of our lives, and that includes our sexuality. Like today, we're going to talk about sex and work, but really, you can apply this perspective that Jesus cares about the ordinary parts of our lives to every part of our life because the follower of Jesus doesn't just have like a slightly different perspective on life. The follower of Jesus has a completely different perspective on life. Does that make sense? I mean, in verse 3, we see Paul zero in on sexuality so that we need to ask ourselves like as a follower of Jesus how is my view towards sexuality different than what the culture around me says how are we to be set apart we who are in Christ how do we walk in sexuality as a people who are set apart is it that we abstain from sex forever I mean, there, there are some, there are some who think that is the answer, that we're to, that sex is gross, that you shouldn't talk about it. You should, if you do say it, you whisper it like, right? You've just, I'm sure some of us have grown up, maybe in our homes, maybe in a local church where it's, just, you don't talk about sex, that it's, you know, it's that thing, Right? Is it something we're just not supposed to talk about? Are we to go to the other extreme, like where we see in our culture, where we just, we talk about sex all the time, that everything is sex, that everything is sexual, and that it doesn't really matter what we do sexually because we're just supposed to be sexual at all times? God's word is inviting us to live out holy lives with a biblical understanding of sexuality. 
and embrace a biblical view of sexuality. And the biblical view of sexuality is that sex is designed by God to be an act of worship that takes place in marriage between a husband and a wife. That's a biblical view of sexuality. You're not going to get that in WandaVision, on Disney+, Plus, in your public schools, at the universities. A biblical view of sexuality is that sex is designed by God to be an act of worship. In marriage, between husband and wife. So if you look at verse 3 in the original language, that, that word immorality, in the original language is the word pornea. And the word pornea simply means any misuse of biblical sexuality. So any misuse of big biblical sexuality. So immorality, that would include pornography. That would include fantasy. Includes sex outside of marriage. That would include homosexuality. It's any type of sexuality that's being presented, displayed, pursued that's contrary to biblical sexuality. I mean, the, the illustration for biblical sexuality is that sex is like fire. Sex is like fire, and, and, and when a fire is out in the woods, when, when fire is out in the open, it's dangerous. It's chaotic. It's unpredictable. But when you take a fire and you place it in the commitment of a fireplace, it suddenly changes. And it brings warmth and care to those who are near. That's a biblical understanding of Sex. When it's out in the wild, it can, it can be dangerous. But when you bring it in the commitment of a marriage, it suddenly becomes an act of worship unto the Lord between husband and wife. So we must ask ourselves today, is my perspective on sexuality being shaped by our culture? Because there's messages that are coming nonstop. Or is it being shaped by God's word? Are we studying what our culture is teaching so that we can speak about it in a gracious way? Are we talking about biblical sexuality in our marriage, in our home, with our children? People ask, at what age do you start talking to your children about sex? I, from the moment they're born. Like, it's, it's not, you don't wait. It's frequent, small, short conversations about sex from the moment they're born, bringing in a biblical view of sexuality, that our bodies are a gift from the Lord, that, it, that we, it's okay to talk about uh, these things. Are we, are, we, are we doing that? Are we confessing our need for help to one another and to the Lord around our pursuit of biblical Sexuality, when we've drifted too far of being determined to do it or feeling defeated, it doesn't matter. And like Peter crying out, help me, Lord, 
And that, that, is, that is the invitation in God's word. Right now, our culture is trying to convince us. Our culture is not passively talking about sexuality. Our culture is absolutely actively talking about sexuality and trying to convince us that we can do anything we want sexually and it doesn't matter. That somehow our body parts are inanimate objects and we can do anything with our body parts and it doesn't affect us. That's just foolish. I mean, we know deep down, every human being knows deep down we can't do things with our body and it not affect us. Right? I mean, think about that. Like, we know deep down, we can't say to somebody, I just am going to do things with you physically, but I want nothing to do with you emotionally, spiritually, relationally, economically, and that not affect us. Right? We're essentially saying, like, I just want to use you for my pleasure. And to think that that doesn't affect us as human beings. There's no other part of life that we would say, yeah, it's normal just to use people for what you want. No, we know, we know deep down that affects us. So Jesus comes. He calls out. He gives us his life. He gives us his body. He gives us his blood. He gives us every part of his being. He calls us his and he empowers us with the Holy Spirit to live out a biblical view of sexuality. Listen, it's not popular right now to have a biblical view of sexuality. And you might want to dismiss God's word as being prudent or outdated. But this tension you feel isn't going to be just around sexuality, just like we talked about earlier. As followers of Jesus, we are called aliens and strangers. We are called exiles. We are called heavenly citizens, that this isn't our home. Jesus tells us to be in the world and not of the world. And so so it, if, this, if sexuality is uncomfortable for you, you need to know it's, it's every, it's not just some parts of, it's every perspective. How we raise children how we care for the elderly, how we interact with retirement and possessions, it's all going to be contrary to what the world is, is teaching us. Let's look at our, our last sub-point. Let's talk about work. This is verses 9 to 12. It says, Now, as to the love of the brothers and sisters... Hey, we made it through sex. That needs to be celebrated, right? You did. Nobody started crying. No, nobody ran out of the room. That's a big deal. Now, as to the love of the brothers and sisters, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. For indeed, you practice it toward all the brothers and sisters who are all in all Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers and sisters, to excel all the more and to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life and attend to your own business and work with your hands, just as we instructed you, so that you will behave properly toward outsiders and not be in any need. In the context of Thessalonians, the people were wrestling with idle hands. He's talking about their ambition. They're wrestling with idle hands. 
Because the Thessalonians were living in a culture where they were constantly being pressed in on. There were mobs, riots in the streets. They're being dragged out of their homes. Even when this comes up uh, with biblical sexuality, like that would have been radical for the Thessalonians. Like in, in the first century, they were way more comfortable with sex then than we are today, that it would have been normal for, for men to have multiple sex partners, to have sex with their wife, have sex with a prostitute, have, have sex with a temple prostitute, have sex with a mistress. And this just would have been like you go to the grocery store. No, 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 I'm going to run up to my prostitute. Like it just, and so when Paul introduces the biblical view of sexuality and says, hey guys, we're going to stop doing that and we're just going to do sex within marriage between husband and wife, that would have been radical uh, for what's being uh, presented. And so, man, the Thessalonians are being pressed in on and, and the Apostle Paul is, is encouraging them like, man, don't withdraw, don't quit, don't give up. Excel all the more. Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. Focus on your business. Work with your hands. Be a blessing to those who are around you. Really, this is the heartbeat. When you look at this, this, this verses 9 to 12, when you talk about work, we're not just talking about like 8 to 5, your job you go to. We're talking about the, the perspective of life that we have. And this is really the heartbeat behind this rise up and, and renew. I hope you got one of these these handouts as, as you walked in as a the, the rise up and renew it's not rise up and reach not to confuse you that was about raising money for our new location which you have you have to go see it's awesome it's so exciting this is rise up and renew is about leaning into the lord and growing in him starting march 22nd there's a deadline you're going to sign this and get it. We want to invite you to be a part of it. March 22nd to June 3rd, 77 days, we're inviting our church family to come together for spiritual renewal. Spiritual renewal. Because I don't know about you, but like I can relate to the Thessalonians. I look at my life today, like I feel this lack of ambition. I feel the fatigue. I feel the willingness to to disengage, and it isn't just from the pandemic. Like, sometimes I feel the pressure from our city. You ever feel that living in Austin? Just the, the messages just constantly pressing on sexuality, but also, like, on our homeless community, on, on, on greed, on education, on individualism, on materialism. Like, it's just, like, it's just constantly rubbing, and sometimes... I find myself fatigued, and I find myself dreaming about one day I'm going to cash out. That's right, Jesus, I'm going to sell my house. I'm going to go move out in the middle of a forest. I'm just going to build a cabin. I'm going to be all by my, all myself. I'm going to get away from, from everything. And then you add in a global pandemic, and it's just like, oh, yeah, let's go, Jesus. Let's get out of here. But, but I feel this pull to, to retreat. And so I, I, I see these words in in verses 1 and 10 about
voices like what Biden say and what Adler say, what Jimmy Kimmel say, what CDC say, what China say, and what my cousins say. And it's just like, oh, it's like, it's like white noise. Do y'all feel this? I feel this white noise of just like, and then this faint background is like God's voice. And, I'm, and that's what Rise Up Renew is about. It's about turning down the white noise and like turning up the volume on God's noise and God's voice in, in my life. So that, that's the invitation. Rise up and renew. I don't know, maybe you want to keep listening to Adler and Biden and Trump and China. <laughs> I don't. I, I want to turn those voices down. And I want to turn up voices on the Lord. So that's what this pack is, is about. I mean, we're doing it on, it's, it's, not, it's not a lot to your schedule. This is really about you setting aside time for the Lord. There's three meetings on Zoom. It's Monday evenings. Kids are in bed. We're going to try to make that extremely just worshipful to kind of fan that flame for the Lord. There's, a, there's an element of fasting in there, but it's not really about fasting um, from food. You could fast from food, but it's really about fasting from media, really kind of just three hours on your own. You decide of just turning off that, those voices and that white noise and turning up the voice on the Lord to hear from him. Apostle Peter says we're aliens and strangers. The Apostle Paul, heavenly citizens. John 17, be in the world and not of the world. And I want to turn up the voice of the Lord. I want to lean into the Lord. And so we want to invite you to be a part. So please consider being a part of Rise Up and, and Renew. Sign this document. Take a picture of it. Send it to info at North Village Church. And, and we want as many as possible to step into this opportunity so that we can live holy lives. Not by being determined to do it or defeated, giving up, but just walking by faith that we have been made holy. And that is the gift of the gospel. That's the invitation for every one of us here today, to be reminded, in Jesus Christ, you have been made holy. It's not our response towards COVID-19 that's making us holy. It's not our political position that makes us holy. It's not our grades. It's not our physical appearance that make us presentable. It is a gift. And it's for eternity. And won't you respond to that today? Let that wash over you today. Will you close your eyes, bow your head with me? Father in heaven, I thank you for today. Thank you for just the reminder in, in God's word. That our, our walk with you matters. And it's not that we're trying to, to earn your approval. It's not that we're, we're trying to stand out above everybody else. You've already given us your approval. You've made us holy. 
Father, I pray every man, woman, and child that's here, that, that, you, that they, we would all receive that today. No matter where we are on our spiritual journey, that we would receive the gift of the righteousness of Christ. That it is by grace that it cannot be earned. I pray that we would receive that today, that we would walk in it, and that we would remind ourselves of it every day, over and over, over and over, until we are face to face with you for eternity. We thank you for that. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.